Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, August 11th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back Chicago's 33rd Ward Alderwoman, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. If you've got questions, ChicagoReader.com has answers. And if you want more from Ben Jarofsky, just head on over ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's a J-O-R-A, B is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this 14th Amendment Breakdown Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's a what a week Friday. Uh, Old woman Rosanna Rodriguez is my distinguished guest. Love to have her board. Before she joins us, I got to take a deep dive into something I just read last night. It was just a little too late for our conversations with Jim Coogan and Monroe Anderson earlier this week where we took a dive into uh, all the charges against Donald Trump, uh, mainly uh, the most recent charges, of course, having to do with trying uh, to uh, engineer a coup. That's pretty much how I look at it. Engineer a coup, an insurrection uh, against uh, the United States government and uh, overturn the election in which Joe Biden was victorious and turn it over to him. I take that as a very serious infringement on um, all our rights in a democracy. So I take it very serious. I take the insurrection very serious. I think his, his I take it very serious his attempt to engineer a coup. I know uh, I would say roughly 85 percent of the people in the city of Chicago, where I live, where I uh, work, uh, also take it very seriously. The problem, of course, is the rest of the country outside of Chicago. Huge chunks of MAGA land in America just remain um, blindly devoted to Donald Trump. Never seen anything like it. It is a cult. That's obviously what it is. Anyway, yesterday's New York Times brought with it a story by uh, Adam Liptick. Shout out to you, Adam, about two law professors who are not like me. Well, actually, one of them lives in Chicago, I think, or actually works at the University of Chicago, but they're not lefties. They're conservatives. They're members of the Federal Society. Uh, They're have that uh, belief of in originalism. We've talked so much in this show about the conservative jurists who believe like every word is sacred in the Constitution and you have to take it for exactly what it says. Don't mess around with creative, fancy interpretations. Don't bring in your lawyers to talk about extenuating circumstances. It is what it is on the piece of paper. All right. Well, <laughs> I got to give these two guys credit. A little shout out to William Body is one, the fellow from the University of Chicago, and uh, Michael Stokes Paulson, a law, law professor, forget where he's from, I just wrote his name down, or he's not from Chicago, and their article is coming out in the University of Pennsylvania Law Review. And according to their analysis, which sounds pretty sound to me, ladies and gentlemen, 
Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president because he's violating Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment makes it very clear that if you, um, well, I'll just read it to you. It bars those who have taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States from holding office if they then, quote, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. It's in the freaking Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'll repeat that for the slower MAGA listeners out there. Here we go. It bars those uh, from holding office if they then shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Now, this, uh, this language was written in the aftermath of the Civil War, in which there was a giant insurrection <laughs> led by all kinds of uh, leaders who had uh, taken an oath to uphold the Constitution, including generals who uh, fought for the Confederacy and uh, politicians who had been in Congress and the Senate and then went uh, and joined the Confederacy. It's still on the books. They didn't take it away. It's still in the Constitution. And so these two law professors then took a look at what Donald Trump did, and they came to the conclusion, folks, it was an insurrection. It was an attempt to overturn the government. There is no doubt about it. No matter, you may get sneaky in, law, in, in court and try to get off uh, on a technicality. Uh, Donald Trump may try uh, to move the case to West Virginia, where he'll have a more sympathetic uh, jury. He's trying to get away from the current judge who has the case. So maybe he can find a judge that is just uh, a member of the cult as well. But you know, if, if you get off on a technicality or if you get off because you switch venue or if you get off because you intimidate the judges and the jurors, or if you get off because you scare people into allowing you to get off, if you get off because Congress and the Senate, the Republican members, are so afraid of you and your legions of cultists, that's not the same thing as not having done it. And these two law professors put it out there. These two conservative law professors put it out there. So what they're saying is if someone and maybe it'll be Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez. I don't know. If someone files a lawsuit <laughs> arguing that Donald John Trump is ineligible for office, it ultimately could make its way to the Supremes. The Supreme Court will have to decide. And the Supreme Court is filled with these originalists. They're all part of the same club, the Federal Society. That's their group. They pay, they bow down to uh Former Justice Scalia every day. Oh, Justice Scalia, we love you. Guys, hello, Alito, uh, Barrett, Thomas, Gorsuch, Roberts. Go read this article by William Boddy and Michael Stokes Paulson. Get ready for the lawsuit. Don't get scared. I know Donald Trump will intimidate you. Donald Trump will act like a gangster, like he's John Gotti. And, you know, put your uh, addresses on the Internet or whatever. I know he's going to try to scare you. But, hey, the words are the words. They're in the Constitution. It's not, it's not your role to interpret them. It's not your role to be some kind of scheming lawyer who looks for a, a, a way out with a technicality. Got to play by the rules, and the rules are right there in the Constitution. So 
Got to tip my hat. I am wearing a hat, Rosanna. I will now tip it. <laughs> to those scholars, uh, Professor William Body and Michael Stokes Paulson. I got to give them credit, man. They dug it out. They put it out. I urge everybody to check it out. Donald Trump ineligible to run in the Constitution, ladies. I didn't make it up. <laughs> all right. Without further ado, uh, Alderman Rosanna Rodriguez uh, from the 33rd Ward on the north side of Chicago. Are you ready to file a lawsuit, uh, Rosanna? Uh, <laughs> that's wild though that is absolutely wild how you doing man i'm doing well i um i'm about to take uh a week off a much needed uh rest of a uh relaxation try to get away from the news uh rosanna (laughs) i just obsess and absorb everything i'm just constantly reading uh, news updates, Chicago news, uh, Illinois news, national news, foreign news. I don't talk a lot of foreign issues here, but I follow it. Forest fires in all, Hawaii, Rosanna. I mean, it just, it, the world is like dying in front of me. Uh, so I need a break. And so I'm going to take a little break. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you take a break. The world will continue to be in the same conditions when you come back, <laughs> waiting for you <laughs> to continue to be manic <laughs> about <laughs> about the the crisis, the constant crisis that we have. Yes. Uh, by the way, when I come back, September 5th at the Promontory on the south side, or I don't know where it is, uh, and uh, the, the club uh, on 51st Street, uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson will be our guest on September 5th. <laughs> Uh, so we're pleased to announce that. And Greg Pratt from the Tribune uh, will also be there. Uh, so it's going to be a really good show. And Rosanna, if you find any chance for people. September what? Five, you said? Yes. Uh, first first Tuesday in September, September 5th. Oh, my goodness. There's so many things that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about uh, Columbus mm-hmm. uh, and um, the push by Ron DeSantis and uh, MAGA to defend Columbus's honor for people like you. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm going to start with uh, treatment, uh, uh, not trauma issue. I, um, I've been thinking a lot about this. You've been a champion of this cause. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about this uh, since I've watched the TV show, The Bear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in The Bear... Just to share you, I don't want to give it away. You say you haven't watched episode six, right? You've not watched it of the second season. It's the one where there's a Christmas party. And this is when you get to it. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, uh, Rosanna, what kind of family life you had uh, when you're growing, I'm growing up. I'm not trying to take a deep dive into your family <laughs> life or anything like that. But it, this scene will rings true to a lot of people mm-hmm. who grew up in families that were at war with each other. You follow what I'm saying? It was like, they're just like, they know where you're vulnerable. They know where you're weak and they're going right at it. And it's like, people are losing their minds. Uh, and then they have to go out, leave the family, go out into the regular world uh, outside of the confines and be quote unquote normal. Uh, and in many ways, it just goes to the extent to which people are dealing with trauma, dealing with mental health issues, and trying to cope. Uh, this is a very popular topic on one of the most popular TV shows in America. You've been way ahead of the game in terms of this issue in the city of Chicago. So why don't you update a little bit 
uh, on your legislation and what you want how you want Chicago to approach these things. So I'm very happy that under Mayor Brandon Johnson's administration, you know, they have been very welcoming of of these ideas. And um, we finally were able to have a subject matter hearing on treatment of trauma. Under Mayor Lori Lightfoot, we didn't even have a chance to sit down and just explain what it was. I just wanted to explain what it was and what the idea was so that we could have subject matter experts come talk about um, the need for the program, but also how these models have been successful in other cities. Um, we didn't have the chance to do that in, in the last administration. And I was finally able to put together a hearing that brought together um, the Collaborative for Community Wellness in Chicago that has been fighting for over a decade to reopen the public mental health centers um, closed by Daly and Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, professionals that came from Albuquerque, um, from Denver, from New York, um, all talking about the models that have been used in these cities and how they have uh, been successful. And it was a great conversation where my colleagues had an opportunity to actually understand what we are trying to do. And it is not rocket science. Reopen the public mental health centers, turn many of them into walking crisis centers that can be available for people when they need it the most so that we have a place to transport, create a a community health worker core so that we can have people doing outreach and preventing crisis. A lot of times people need a conversation. A lot of times in order to avoid crisis, what you need to do is identify a need. And once you identify that need and you can provide the support that is needed, you can absolutely prevent a crisis that can end up in harm. But we are not doing that right now. So we want to create a community health worker core that would be able to provide that kind of outreach work. Um, And think, you know, CTA, every time that I get on the train, I am going to see somebody that is struggling with mental health. And sometimes it is a very mild thing and sometimes it gets um, it gets dangerous. Right. Um, And then we also want to expand the the crisis response model, the care model. Lori Life Administration called it the alternate model, and they only had two teams for um, for a model that would send behavioral health experts um, to deal with crisis instead of police. so this is definitely not rocket science. It is um, it is work that is being done across the country. One very interesting thing about the hearing was that we have continued to hear over and over that we don't have enough clinicians, that this wouldn't work because you don't have enough, you just don't have enough clinicians and particularly clinicians that have um, the community experience in order to be able to deliver that work. So something amazing about the hearing was that the model in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, they came and said, well, we didn't hire just clinicians. We opened up positions where a lot of different people could apply and we provide the training. So you have former teachers, you have you have people that like case workers, you have a wide range of people um, that have experience with community work that all of a sudden are accessing a job that is a government job with benefits, with a union, with a pension um, that allows you to do that work 
Um, and, and we could totally be doing that here in Chicago. We, we could. So I'm very excited. Now we are moving into the budget. We are starting to have conversations about what this first phase of treatment of trauma is going to look like um, in terms of reopening certain mental health centers that were closed, um, starting to hire more positions for mental health crisis, expanding the care model. So we are going to have a working group that is going to include labor and is going to include the Collaborative for Community Wellness, the Department of Health, um, elders and other uh, subject matter experts um, to make sure that we are creating a robust plan um, to implement treatment of trauma in the next four years. So when you had the hearing, was there anybody uh, who testified or spoke up against your proposals? No, because I'm, I'm the chair of the committee now. <laughs> so we have been waiting to be able to explain our plan, right? Okay. And this was a space for us to explain our plan. And that's what we did. So being the chair of the committee gives me the ability to organized the hearing as I see fit. And I had a lot of people that came and spoke. But that said, there was space during public comment for people to come and say, I don't want this. And we didn't have one single person come and oppose it. One very interesting thing about the hearing was I brought um, the deputy chief of police from Portland to talk about how the model in Portland, the Portland Street Outreach has worked for the city and for the police department. And his conclusion was build this. This is actually going to take stress out of your police department because they are going to take on a lot of things that police should not be doing, build it. So I thought that it was important for some of my colleagues that are very worried about seeing this as, you know, as an attack on police to understand that what we are trying to do is develop the right tools to address uh, specific needs that our communities have, right? So I think it was a, a, a great hearing um, and and we are now moving in the direction that we, that we need to be moving. Well, that's what I was uh, asking uh, as well, not just uh, private citizens who show up, but uh, aldermen, your, your colleagues, did any of them speak out against the proposal? No. My colleagues were very present. They asked very good questions about the different models. Uh, they asked questions, of course, of CDPH um, about the potential and about the challenges. Um, so it was it was a very informative hearing. And I think that most of my colleagues and most of everybody right now understands that there is no way that we are going to be able to handle the crisis that we have in our hands just with policing. It's just, it, it has not worked. It doesn't work. We all know it. Um, so it's time to, to find new approaches. Nobody challenged it at all. And what about people, uh, officials from the city's health department? Did they raise objections? Not at all. Wow. Uh, we're in a new, we're in a new era. Um, <laughs> Ben, I should have invited you to this hearing so that you you're off the drop. I'm laughing. Uh, I'm not surprised to a certain degree. Um, I try not to be uh, jaded and cynical. Uh, I just I just want to to rewind this a little bit because you had a really hard time believing that this was going to be possible. And we told you we're going to organize like hell. We're going to get this. We're going to get this. Ben, we're going to get it. 
And yeah, now no. we are where we need to be. The first hurdle, uh, or the first hurdles, was were electing lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, who probably would object. Some of them may object to me calling them lefties. So I'll, I don't know. What do you guys want to call these days? Progressives? Is that what you want to be called? Okay. And, uh, naming, <laughs> electing progressive. <laughs> I'm not quite sure anybody but me wants to be called a lefty. No, me so, too. Uh, I think it was that <laughs> likes to be called a lefty. Um, but the health department, and this is me speaking, and then I want you to riff on it. The health department uh, in the past has worked uh, <laughs> uh, under what well, as part of the mayor's team, trying to say it as politely as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the issue of mental health clinics uh, and how the city responds to mental health crises with police uh, as opposed to, I don't know, clinicians, social workers, counselors, people who speak quietly and show someone out, whatever, um, really emerged uh, as a public topic after that first uh, Rahm Emanuel budget in 2011, where he cut, closed six mental health clinics. And that's when this, this is before Rosetta had been elected alderwoman of the 33rd Ward. So this, this was in a totally different time in Chicago politics when mm-hmm. oh, the city council was a rubber stamp. Uh, to Mayor Rahm, uh, and Mayor Rahm closed those clinics, and the health department, this like they went along with it. Mm-hmm. I know people would be laughing, oh, Ben, what do you expect they work for him? But uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, Chicago, you're more cynical than I am. <laughs> I would have thought that if you're a health official, you would not support a mayor when he closed mental health clinics in high crime areas where people are freaking out. Mm-hmm. I, I would have thought you're a doctor. Don't you take some kind of oath? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but they come up with all these, they would throw all these numbers at you. And, well, actually, the number of visits, uh, you know, they would just throw a blizzard <laughs> of numbers. Nobody knew if the numbers are real. They made them, made them up. Who knows? You know, they convince you that somehow or other closing clinics led to more treatment for metal. That's, the, that's what they were trying to say. You know what I mean? It's like closing schools leads to more education for students. <laughs> They say absolutely anything. And I said, well, Lori Lightfoot's elected mayor. She's going to reopen the clinics because she said she was going to do that. And uh, guess what? She backed off on that promise. And the health department went along. They kept throwing numbers at people. I think that's actually the recommendation of the the commissioner because she kept Arwadi from the RAM administration. And when it was time to um, to bring her nomination forward to the committee, they had to stop the committee meeting because we told we said we're not gonna we're not we're not going to confirm this. Like there's no way that this is going to pass committee. Because also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Committee on Health and Human Relations was so low priority for every administration, it didn't matter who was in the, in there, that they would send the rookies mostly to that <laughs> city. But they made a mistake because all of the all of the rookies were us. And then we're like, so are you going to reopen the mental health clinics? No, okay, so we're not going to. <laughs> and then there was that war that lasted for a while. She had to be interim for a long time. And she only got confirmed after she made some commitments around the the budget 
for the Department of Health for the mental health clinics, but it was a it was a really difficult moment. But what I would say about what you what you were commenting on, you know, the Rahm Emanuel administration was a very neoliberal administration, and that that was their focus. It was privatization, and it was making sure that we sold everything that we could sell and that we backed away from actual direct service. And part of that logic of neoliberalism is to find excuses and break the things and say that they don't work, but you break them on purpose. And with the mental health centers, I'm going to tell you right now, the mental health centers were disinvested on. The mental health centers were not promoted at all. So people don't even know how to go get care. And still, I spent four years arguing with the Department of Health to create a website specifically for the public mental health center so that we could promote it and we could send people to, and that you you could schedule online, for example. Make it easy for people. Make it low barrier. Make it accessible. No way. And and you know why? Because they don't want people to use them, so that they can then they can say, "Well, look, this model doesn't work because people don't use it." No, I have a lot of people that are in need of using the free services that the city provides, and they don't know that those services are there. So I use my platforms. I, I you know I put it on Twitter, I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram, and and I have gotten people to go get services that way. But that's not that's just not how it should work, you know. So is Commissioner Arwadi singing a new song now? Is she now suddenly saying, you know what? I woke up today and I really think we should bring back the mental health clinics. I don't know what I was thinking uh, for the last eight years, but I've seen the light. Okay. Not, not wait, that's a bad phrase. Cause (laughs) I, I now have a new way of looking at the world. Is she actually, has she flipped and is publicly endorsing reopening the clinics? It is my understanding that she is, as it pertains to treatment of trauma, she is friendly to the idea now. I I don't really have conversations with Dr. Arwadi. Our our relationship throughout those four years was very contentious. Um, So I haven't really been having conversations with her about it. What I do know is that the people who have been fighting to reopen the mental health clinics and the people who I organize with and that I am trying to build treatment of trauma with are not happy with her, of course, and they believe that we need new leadership in um, in the Department of Health, um, and I stand with them. All right, so let me play devil's advocate with you and get your response to this. Uh, if commissioners are merely functionaries of the mayor and do whatever the mayor tells them, which is sort of what I believe, and the mayor has chained, and they have no like, like anchored, deep rooted beliefs of their own. They just, what do you want me to do, boss? I'll do it. You want me to close mental health clinics and farm it out to uh, private agencies? You got it, boss. That's what the one mayor said. New mayor comes in, Brandon Johnson. I want to reopen mental health clinics. And the health commissioner, Waddy, goes, You know what, boss? I'm seeing the world differently. I want to open mental health clinics, too, because I just really appreciate your viewpoint. (laughs) Uh, What difference does it make who the health commissioner is? Like when when Mayor Lori Lightfoot ran on reopening the public mental health clinics and this commissioner was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. So 
at the end, the mayor said, well, we're not doing that. And they went to bat for four years saying that the city should not be in the business of providing direct services, that we should move away from that. Government is supposed to take care of people. If you are coming in and you bring a different vision, well, first of all, I think that we should be appointing commissioners that not only are going to do what we say, but that are going to do it because they believe in it, not just because the mayor is saying this is what you need to do, right? So you want to, if you have a vision for um, for a, a fully funded, a, a thriving um, Department of Health, right, and public health program, you want to make sure that you have there somebody that is going to go to bat for that, that is ready to start building systems, that believes in direct services. You don't want somebody that you know that did not believe in it. And now it's going to be like, well, if you say so, sure, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. That's not who you want to to be to be leading such an important department. And and if anything, I hope that after the COVID pandemic, we learn how important having public systems of care as it pertains to public health is for our communities. Uh, and just for the record, what's the name of your committee? What's that? Just for the record, what is the name of the, your committee? It's the Health and Human Relations, the Committee on Health and Human. Yeah. So I would expect the health commissioner to show up at the next Health and Human Relations Committee. Health, health, just breaking it down. Like I'm keeping it this theme, like words matter that I began with. Like Donald Trump can't be president. He's ineligible to run because the Constitution says the people who do what he did, shit can't run. So the health commissioner should show up at the next health and human relations meeting and show up and testify as to her worldview. I would think on this very important issue and answer some questions like, did you agree with Mayor Rahm when he closed the clinics? Did you agree with Mayor Lightfoot when she decided not to reopen the clinics, even after she said she was going to reopen the clinic? I do believe if you've changed and you now don't believe with them, what caused you to change? Did you just wake up one day and go, I see the world differently? Like Scrooge, after he woke up, I don't know if you remember the Chris, he woke up and he, he'd been visited by ghosts in the past. Rosanna. He goes, I see the world differently. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> But that's that's exactly what happened when they tried to make her commissioner under Lori Lightfoot. Like that is what we said. Those are the questions that we ask her, and and they had to call a recess on the. They had to call a recess because it was not looking good. So what a weird city! I'll just repeat this: they close clinics uh, in high crime areas where the clinics are needed the most, and I guarantee you, I'm going to say this. Rosanna, I guarantee you every official in the Rahm Emanuel administration who went along with Mayor Rahm and he closed those clinics, just like every official in the Lori Lightfoot administration who went along with the decision not to reopen them, has dealt either with their own mental health issues or someone in their families got mental health issues. They have either gone for treatment or someone they love has gone for treatment. So they pretend the world exists for one way for ordinary human beings and it's they treat themselves differently mm -hmm. and this is why i'm going to tie it all together democrats have such a hard time winning elections because they talk one way and they do something else
And this is just bread and butter, ladies and gentlemen. What you want your tax dollars to go for, Rosanna. That's how I I view it. Your thoughts? No, you're totally right. If I mean, we have to, we have to do what we say we're gonna do. I think a lot of us that ran on our platforms and said, "This is what I intend to do." I have a track record now. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I did and what I fought for. And I, I did exactly what I said that I was going to do. And it's the least that we can expect of the people that we elect, right? Um, so I am. I have a lot of hope for this administration, Ben. Like, I really do. They are working with us. Like, we just had a hearing on that, that we couldn't have under Lori because our, our, our police didn't show up, you know? Um, for bring Chicago home, like how, how do you live with yourself? <laughs> we just needed 26 people and we had 25 in order just to have a conversation to put an item on the ballot that would create a tax for mansions, you know, for houses that are over a million dollars so that we can house people. How is that controversial? <laughs> And whose pockets are you in that you don't want to show up, you know? So I think that that is the place where we need to be differentiating ourselves. Um, and I, I have faith that we have good leadership right now in the city, that we are chairing committees, that we are being able to carry out conversations that we have not ever been able to have. Um, so, yeah, we, we keep going, Ben. We keep going. Um, all right, uh, let's move to the next topic because uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure, bring it back and we'll come back to mental health clinics, treatment on trauma uh, many times, particularly as we head into the budget season where it's going to be a pivotal issue. Uh, Columbus Day. And um, man, a lot of unfair, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, brutal uh, criticism of Rosanna Rodriguez. <laughs> And on this issue, and everybody's oh Ben, you just like her, and you know, uh, well, I think she stands up for her principles. Unlike we just got finished talking about people who don't, and uh, so I got a lot of respect for Rosanna because she does that, and she has done that from the get go, and she didn't hide, she didn't duck, she didn't dodge, and then Blago and Mel and Iris Martinez, they threw everything they had at her, and she still won. Okay, and. Uh, I just saw in the paper, you'd be cracking up. Iris Martinez was in the political. She's like, I'm running against the machine. Or <laughs> political may have said it. I'm going, the machine. It the doesn't ma <laughs> there is no machine. <laughs> machine is dead. No, he used to be the machine. If there was, like, if the machine was alive, like, you know, like they are claiming, like, Iris is part of it. Like, how is Iris not, like, a central piece of that machine? And then you're here, like, oh, yeah, she's running against the man. What? What? I, I mean, I can't even get the words out because it was just like so Orwellian. <laughs> up is down and down is up. Peace is war. War is peace. I mean, Iris Martinez and Dick Mel, that is the machine. Okay, Blago's whole career article, was launched by the machine. The article in Political also says that she's not on lockstep with the Democratic Party, the Cook County Democratic Party, because she tries to elect Latinas. Except for me and Delia. 
like, hmm, not all Latinas. Hashtag. Not all Latinas. Yes, Rosanna's Puerto Rican. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> last I looked, that qualified as Latina. No, I, that that thing was, I read that thing and just laughed out loud. And I was like, hey, you know what, Mel? Good one. You got off. I don't know who engineered this one. I'm going to give credit to Mel uh, and Blago. Maybe Blago was the one who got it. Uh, that man is rewriting history day by day. But we'll, uh, uh, so anyway, a lot of uh, criticism for folks in this corner. Uh, and I just, I don't know. Uh, Rosetta took stands, tough stands, took a lot of criticism, a lot of heat for them. Uh, and still prevailed. Uh, and I think you do it in a way that's a respectful way for people. You don't insult. You're not Donald Trump. You don't threaten people. Um, <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? Like the same people who are outraged at you uh, for your position on uh, Columbus Day, what have you, uh, support Donald Trump, who's like openly intimidating judges. Oh. Sure. That is super. That's that's that is a very prevalent position. Um, and actually, you know, most of the people that come after me are MAGA Italians and like people who really believe in white supremacy. And I have been dealing with those people since 2019 when I first introduced the the ordinance to establish um, Indigenous People Day in place of Columbus Day. I have gotten so much mail. Um, you know, saying horrible things, uh, social media. I it, It's been really terrible. But now I think that we are in a moment where um, it, is, it is so necessary that we challenge those white supremacist symbols, right? Particularly as we think about people like DeSantis that are trying to rewrite history. Um, Earlier this week, you and I were talking about that. Um, there is this contractor um, that Florida has that is providing content and curriculum for um, complementary curriculum for um, for public schools in Florida. And they are literally revising history and they have Columbus as a little caricature saying that you know they say that we came and we invaded and then and that we mistreated the natives but the natives were not exactly like peaceful people then in the journals of columbus when columbus talks about the taino people in the caribbean my ancestors he writes on his own journal how peaceful the tainos were he says they would make great servants he talks about how he makes them, that he uh, pushed them into servitude um, and he enslaved them. <laughs> and he takes people as slaves, uh, Tainos as slaves, back to Spain. And then there is a reign of terror in the Caribbean, in Haiti, where, you know, they want native people to get gold. And if you don't do it, like your, your hands are going to be chopped. Like it was... I mean, Columbus ended up being imprisoned by the Spanish crown. So when people say, oh, you cannot judge Columbus by today's standards. No, no, we're not. <laughs> the crown took him to Spain <laughs> in chains and incarcerated him. Yeah. No, I, um, I, yeah, that's so, uh, I don't want to give the guy more publicity than he's already getting, but Prager or Prager or Prager, uh, is an operative uh, for MAGA 
who's got this thing called PragerU, as though it was a legitimate university. Uh, and uh, some of these, uh, uh, I don't know what videos he's put together of uh, historical figures, their, their cartoons, and the one with Columbus. I mean, that's a bigger insult to Columbus than anything Rosanna Rodriguez says. This guy's the cheesiest accent. I'm not even sure what the accent is. Uh, and, and so, like, Columbus didn't speak English. Uh, I don't even know if Columbus spoke literally English. He was not uh, from England. Okay, so I assume he spoke uh, Italian and uh, Spanish. But they have this character speaking English. Uh, could you imagine if they had the person doing it in Spanish with subtitles? You know what I mean? The how MAGA would lose its freaking mind. Speak English and uh, <laughs> or Italian. You know what I mean? If they actually had him talking in Italian with English, but it's it's like I don't know what that accent was, Rosanna. I don't know. I like I caramba. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get this accent? Uh, and then the theme. He's speaking to uh, two comic characters who are i guess from modern times the yeah. our current times and mm-hmm. uh and it's like they're asking questions as though they were quote-unquote progressives or woke uh and then he responds in such a way that gets them in this cartoon to go oh wow i'm really convinced by what you say you know which this is the series of cartoons they do this in his case he says you can't judge uh people behavior from the 15th century by our standards and i'm like what has changed about murder what has changed about slaughter Mm -hmm. is is that not something we're also against in the 21st century i need to know that did we suddenly change our standards you know are, are we not supposed to hold what germans accountable for what they did at some point do like the standards change like what happened in Cambodia? Are we not supposed to hold that regime accountable for what they did? I, Rosanna, I the pushback. I don't get it. What, in your opinion, why the ferocity of the pushback uh, against abandoning the Columbus Day holiday? Go. So I do understand that historically. Um, the significance is tied to the the fact of the lynchings of Italians and how um, after the lynching of this group of Italians, um, there is an offer, right, to honor Italian heritage with Columbus. And I, you know, Italians struggled a lot in the United States, um, just like so many other immigrant groups and i i do understand the the need of the of italian people to have their legacy recognized right like i understand to have their heritage to have the contributions recognized and to and and that there is an acknowledgement that they were not welcome at the beginning now that is not the whole story Right. <laughs> because there are many groups that continue to be oppressed. There are many groups that never have the access to like white supremacy that never that that never got to that space and and, and didn't want to. But when you think about the fact that in order for you as a culture to be able to honor and acknowledge your pain, your heritage, 
that you have to use a figure that is a reminder for the rest of us colonized people of how our ancestors were exterminated? I'm sorry. There has to be a little bit more awareness about that because you cannot just erase history. You cannot just say, well, he wasn't that bad. He was a man of his times. And it doesn't matter how the rest of us, like we have put up with Columbus for way too long. We have had to look at those statues in public spaces. We have to be, we have to, we have had to honor Columbus in his holiday. I know it's, there was never like a, you know, we weren't questioning these things. It's just what it was fed to us forever. But we, we don't want to do that anymore. We want to make sure that we move away from this, um, from this obsession with, with honoring and keeping these white supremacist symbols and create space for the story to be told as it was. And I think that in the times of Trump, you know, where like you can, you can make up whatever whatever narrative you want, you can put it out there. And then it, because like, I have heard some of the um, Columbus protecting Italian leaders uh, said things like, well, you have your history, we have ours. And, you, and th no, no, that's not how it works at all. There is a history and you have to contend with it. <laughs> and you might not like it, but, but you cannot rewrite it so that it looks like you want it to look like, right? So now we are, you know, uh, now I, I am the chair of the, <laughs> I am the chair of the Committee on Health and Human Relations. And I, I am really interested um, in doing a, a hearing very soon to examine the, the report that the Committee on Monuments that was created under Mayor Lori Lightfoot when she had to bring the Columbus status down and they didn't really want to take a stance on if they were going to be permanently gone or not, she decided to create this committee that was going to sort of study the monuments in Chicago and come up with like, which ones are racist, which ones should we, um, which ones should we get rid of? And that, and that report was um, issued and the conclusion was that the Columbus status needed to stay down, that, that we should not have that <laughs> in public space, that the monument of Bal uh, to Balbo needs to go. Um, and when the report came out and the findings were shared, Lori Lightfoot said that she disagreed with it, that she disagreed with the report of the committee. So um, it's a new day. We are going to talk about that report again, and we are going to talk about um, the harms that are, um, the harms that come from um, honoring white supremacist monuments, and that includes holidays. And from there, we will have a discussion about um, the need to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous People Day. And I think that there's so many people in Chicago that want to do that. Is, uh, is that report public? The yes. Report, you can, so you can see, read the report online. And, uh, yeah. uh, and, and so you're going to, at your hearing, I presume, bring people who uh, were on that committee to yeah. talk about their work and talk to people who wrote the report. Oh, that'll be an interesting meeting. Yeah. What if Dr. Awardi will show up? Sorry, just, I, I don't know why. I'm mixing the two uh, together. So just, hey, you know, I have an opinion. <laughs> 
Remember when she did the commercial with Lori Lightfoot for um, uh, Lollapalooza? She waited on Lollapalooza. Maybe she'll wait on it. I mean, we did have a subject matter hearing during the Lightfoot administration because we fought for it a lot, but it, they didn't, they, it was not like, a, it was not a real attempt to have a vote on it. Um, we brought the Newberry Library to talk and several subject matter experts and members of indigenous groups to talk about the harms of continuing to honor such um, terrible figures in in history. Um, and they also provided space for people who want Columbus Day to say their piece. And it was it was a ridiculous situation in which, you know, people were coming in and trying to, again, like do a revision of history and I mean, what what are you going to do with that kind of conversation where like I'm telling you these are the facts, this is what Columbus himself wrote, and you are going to bring somebody that is going to say, well, no, that's not how it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what to do with that, you know? I think um, at this point we know better, and, and it's time to to move away from, from those very harmful um, uh, monuments. Uh, and uh, I just want to point out before we close, uh, watched a few of these uh, videos that they're now showing to school children in Florida. The Columbus one is one I shared with Rosanna. I didn't share the one about Frederick Douglass, which is, in my opinion, beyond the fact, it's one of the most offensive things I've ever seen, what they've done to Frederick Douglass, what they've turned in, with the words they put into a cartoon caricature who's supposed to represent, supposed to be Frederick Douglass, is a complete upheaval of everything Frederick Douglass stood for. Uh, and it is so bizarre and twisted. Uh, it's completely rewriting history while they're rewriting the Constitution. Uh, so I'm going to close where I began. We began by discussing about the words are in the Constitution. These two conservative scholars have pointed out that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for public office. You cannot allow him to run because he has violated this clause in the Constitution. They're rewriting that. Uh, and they're rewriting the history of, um, of Frederick Douglass. And they did far worse to Christopher Columbus with that caricature and that accent than anything any uh, lefty in Chicago has done. <laughs> Rosanna, I'm going to let you get back to your day. Uh, thank you very much. I'm going to take a week off, get some rest, bring you back. We'll continue. We're heading into budget season. Oh, my yep. goodness. Right around the corner. And I'll throw this out there to you. Been thinking about this. I think I may have said this to you off mic at one point. It's interesting to see where the city council is going to go. Not sure where the city council was. There was that 20, 26 to 22 vote on the police settlement. I think I talked to you about this. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. right? And where um, the 26 aldermen, an interesting coalition of aldermen from all over the city voted against uh, the uh, corporation council's offer a uh, recommendation. We've talked about this in the show a lot. And I'm wondering, is that the roots of a conservative faction in the city council? Uh, <laughs> Rosetta's like, no. No. I think people get confused sometimes yeah. in city council. And I, I think that my colleague, um, Bill Conway, was absolutely out of line there. I think if you are, are you going to go litigate that case? And are you going to win it? because <laughs> telling me that you read the case and that and now you are an expert on all of the proceedings um 
I think is very disingenuous, you know. Um, we have professionals in the law department that go to bat for the city to make sure that we can get, that we can be in the best possible position. And when you, and when you do what he did in that vote, you, um, you put that at risk. And I think that some of my colleagues, um, didn't, didn't realize, um, what was happening. And, uh, I hope that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. So you think it's like a one-term, a one-time deal, uh, that coalition that came I, together. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, we'll see. Uh, Rosanna, we've run out of time. Thank you very much. I'm going to get rest. You watch when I come back, I'll be healed. I'll be just so right. So positive. So There's not going to uh, be any cynicism. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not the cynic. I'm not the one who flip flopped with the new mayor. I'm not the I was always for the, the mental health clinics. Even when Rom closed, I'm like, what are you doing? I will I'll probably see you see you on first Tuesdays, okay? Oh, I hope so. We'll give you a shout out. You get to ask the first question of uh, Mayor uh, Brandon Johnson or <laughs> Greg Pratt. Ask reverse it. Ask Greg Pratt a question. Put him on the hot seat. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Take care, Rosanna. Thank you very much, as always. And also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. <laughs> And remember, you can always download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J. Bonus interviews, and a whole lot more, all at chicagoreader.com. Follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram, at Benny J. Show, and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on all your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.